Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to be reading to you a passage out of Romans chapter 5 today. And it's going to go along with the theme that we've set for 2017. So I want you to prepare your hearts and listen to the word of the Lord. In Romans 8, 5, the Bible says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you even, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I want to talk to you this morning from a sermon titled, Let's Get Spiritual. Say spiritual. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for each person that's come out today. Lord, I pray that now you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say only those things that will glorify you. God, I pray that you'd use this time to teach us what you would have us to know. Encourage our hearts. Stretch us, God. Mold us and shape us into the image of your Son. God, I pray for each person here today, those who are unsaved, that you would show them your love. And for each of your children, God, I pray that you would reveal more of yourself in a unique way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get spiritual. I told you that the theme for 2017 would be getting serious about getting healthy in 2017. Most people, well, I don't know. According to statistics, most people are fat. See, people don't like to be called fat. That's why they invented the word what? Thick. You know what thick means, right? Uh Uh-huh. But the statistics say the majority of Americans are fat. Now, listen, if you look at the weight charts that haven't been updated in over 50 years, the weight charts say that I'm supposed to weigh 155 pounds. So at 215, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Now, if I lost 60 pounds, I, I would be a, I, yeah, it would be rough, wouldn't it, Jeff? It would, it, would be a, it would be a sad day in Abundant Life history because y'all would know I'd be in the hospital if I lost 60 pounds. But according to those charts, if you're more than 30 pounds over your suggested weight, you are obese. So at 60 pounds over 155, I'm grossly obese. So when I talk about fat, I know what I'm talking about. And when the New Year's resolutions come around, people want to think about getting healthy, and they think about losing weight and getting in the gym. And that's why gym rats hate January. Hold on, gym rats, you're almost in the clear. Because those that haven't quit, everybody rushes out and joins a gym. 
in January. They're going to lose weight. They're going to get healthy. And by about the second, third week, it starts to slow down, and the regular gym people can get back in there and get their workouts. So you only got a couple more days if you like going to the gym before people's resolution will fall off. But when I say getting healthy, I'm not just talking about in the physical realm. I believe we live on five different realms as human beings, spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, and relational. And we need to get healthy in our spiritual life. We need to get healthy in our financial life. We need to get healthy physically. We need to get healthy in our relationships. And we need to get healthy in our emotions to where our mind is not bothering us. It's incredible. Every three months, watch it and see if it doesn't happen. Every three months, some drug company comes out with a new disease. When I was a kid, there, there wasn't all these letters you put on people. There was no HDAD. There was no uh, ADD. There was none of that. There was just belts and whoopings. And kids that didn't act right got beat. And, and then they didn't have to make up diseases for them. But they, they make up these diseases so they can sell you drugs to try to control your mind. And, you know, and they've come out with all this stuff. Uh, hyperactive, ADD, HDAD, social anxiety, all these different phobias. Listen, let God control your mind, not drugs. Y'all not hearing me. Let God control your mind and not drugs. Amen? We want to get healthy in 2017, not just physically. Today I want to talk to you about the most important one of those five realms, and that's getting healthy spiritually. And if you're a child of God, one thing I can tell you for sure, you want to please the Lord. If you really are saved, you spend more time knowing that you're failing than rejoicing that you're succeeding. A.W. Tozer, a great man of God, writer, author, theologian, pastor, preacher, teacher, he said the person who believes they deserve to go to heaven will never get there. But the person who's fully aware that they don't deserve to go to heaven will probably end up there. See, the true child of God is not the one walking around talking about how much Bible they know, not the one walking around talking about how great they are and wonderful they are. They really are spending more time in introspection, reflection, and understanding, man, i got a long way to go. And if you know that you love God, you ought to be willing to do more than what you're doing. The Bible says you reap what you sow. If you want more, you got to do more. So let's talk about doing more spiritually. In our text, there's a contrast going on between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible talks a lot about this contrast for the believer, the, the spiritual versus what some versions call the carnal. So there's two major types of people in the world before we get to that. Two major types of people. You're either saved or you're what? So you're a believer or what? So you're a Christian or what? You're going to heaven or you're going where? That's what the Bible teaches. So this is the two classifications that every human being that ever lived fits into. Now, here's the reality. According to the Bible, we all start off in the lost category. We all start off in the unsaved category. That's why when I witness the people and I ask them if they're a Christian and they say, oh, I've been a Christian my whole life, I already know what? They're not a Christian. Because being a Christian is something that you have to become. The Bible says that when you receive God, he gives you power to become a child of God. So when I talk to people and I say, are you born again? And they say, oh, my father laid the cornerstone at the big church downtown. Automatically, no, they don't understand what salvation is. But none of us came into this life understanding what salvation is. We had to become a child of God. So the Bible teaches that we're all born dead spiritually in our trespasses and sin. 
But if you have a supernatural life-changing relationship with God, then you become a Christian. And then there's these two major classes, saved and unsaved. First thing you need to do today is decide which one of those you are. And too many people are kidding themselves. There are too many people that think they're backslidden when they're really lost. That's why I'm not a big rededication fan. Now, there are times when you need to rededicate your life and get more serious about serving God the way God created you to serve him. But I've seen so many people come forward to rededicate their life, and here's their story. Pastor, I just want to come rededicate my life to the Lord. Well, what's been going on? Well, I hadn't read my Bible for the last 37 years, and I've been living in the world hard and heavy, drinking, smoking, cussing, whoremongering, doing drugs. I, I haven't prayed in, since 1937, uh, but I just want to come and get back right with God. You can't get back right with God. You've never right with God before. You can't rededicate, rededicate unto what? The lostness that you had? Most people that come for rededication need a true salvation. Nevertheless, we all fit into one or two categories, lost or saved. Now, all lost people fit in that one category. There is no measure of lostness. There is no degree of lostness. That's like you're not a little lost or a lot lost. That's like pregnant. You either is or you what? Ain't. That's all there is. It's, it's you're either lost or you're not. But when we come over into that category that hopefully many of us fall into this morning, true Christian category, the saved believer born again category, there are two major classifications that the Bible talks about. And it's this contrast that we see in Romans chapter 8. It's this contrast of living a life that is controlled by the spirit or living a life that is controlled by the flesh. Now, there are a lot of people out there and there are certain denominations that preach that a true Christian cannot be carnal. As I was talking to my kids today about the message, because they always want to try to preempt what I'm going to do. They always, what are you preaching about this morning, Dad, on the drive-in or when we're getting breakfast at Burger King? It's incredible they still ask me what I want to eat there. Since we moved here two years ago, I've stopped at Burger King every Sunday morning, got the exact same thing for the three of us, and I know they say, is everything on the screen right? All I have to do is look at the total. If it doesn't say $16.63, I know they didn't add something right. But so the kids want to know, what are you preaching about? And I very rarely tell them because anytime I tell someone what I'm preaching about, God almost always makes me change it. But I was telling them this morning on the drive in, and Seth said, do carnal, Christian, do carnal people go to heaven? Can you be carnal and still go to heaven? Well, there are denominations out there that say carnal people will not go to heaven. There are denominations and believers out there, theologians out there that teach, if you get carnal, you forfeit your salvation. Well, I want you to know, if you ever get truly saved, you'll stay saved. The Bible says what God does, he does forever. Jesus says of that class of people that won't make it into heaven, that he will declare to them at the great white throne judgment, depart from me, for I never knew you. Not I knew you once and then you fell back and got carnal and I stopped knowing you. So you either lost or saved, but for saved people, there are these two classifications. Don't get it twisted. It's, you look at somebody and see that they're living a life that's not just right. You look at someone and say they're living a life, and the first thing judgmental Christians want to do, and judgmental Christian is an oxymoron, because if you're a Christian, it means you've admitted that you're busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. If you call yourself a Christian, you've admitted that you are a low-down, scum-of-the-earth, backbiting, whoremonger, and good-for-nothing sinner on your way to hell, and you need God to save you. If you admit that you're a Christian, then you're saying that you needed somebody to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself, and you cried out to a holy God because you knew you were unholy on your own. So how would you be standing in judgment of anybody else? People sit around and say, well, 
I don't believe so-and-so can truly be saved when they're doing such and such. But you believe you can truly be saved? Don't you do such and such and so-and-so, this and that, and the other thing? Oh, but that's different, right, because that's you. Uh, no, we, we've got to understand that there is this class of Christian that is not serving the Lord. And I want to tell you something, that's the big group. That's the big group. Well, let me ask you, let me get your opinion. Between lost and saved, are there more lost or saved people? Absolutely. The Bible says that the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it, but the road to hell is broad and many there be that go in thereat. So there's more people going to hell than going to heaven. I don't get joy by saying that. It's just the truth. And when it comes to Christians, there are more of us that are living controlled by our flesh than there are controlled by our spirit. And it's really hard to tell that based on people's actions, because it's not an action thing as much as it is a heart thing. Because a flesh-controlled Christian can get up and look very spiritual, can preach spiritual, sing spiritual. They can, they can listen, a fleshly-controlled person can preach in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, deacon in the Spirit, greet in the Spirit, usher in the Spirit. I, I don't know if they can pay tithes in the Spirit, but that's a different question for a different time. But they can do all the surroundings of what looks to be spiritual when really on the inside they're, they're not there. And somebody that truly is controlled by the Spirit can look to be doing things that are contrary to the written Word of God, but you don't know how that's pinching them in their heart. You don't know how that's criticized or, 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 or uh, convicting them on the inside because you don't live on the inside of them, and that's why you should never make judgment of anyone but yourself. The trick of the devil is to try to get you to judge somebody else. Because when you're judging somebody else, you're not paying attention to your own life. When you're casting aspersions on someone else, you're not taking responsibility for your own personal walk with God. And I want you to know one thing I've determined for sure. I got enough trouble keeping me in check to be worrying about all y'all. And every Christian knows that that is the reality. But there's these two groups, carnal and spiritual. If you're, if you're lost... Great news for you. You're only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. You don't have to join a church, walk an aisle, pray a prayer, shake a preacher's hand. You don't have to fill out a bunch of forms and sign your name to anything because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That's the gospel. But if you're here and you're saved, I want you to make a decision today to find out where you are. I want us to determine today are we carnal or are we spiritual? That word carnal, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Listen, when I told you that there are people that think Christians can't be carnal, listen to what the Bible says. Don't get your theology from people. Don't get your theology from preachers. Don't get your theology from music. Don't get your theology from the radio or TV. Get your theology from the Bible because the Bible is what you can trust. God says he's exalted his word above his name. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Corinth and say, and I, brethren, now when the Word of God says brethren, who's he talking to? you got to remember, I'm always going to tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It will help you if you read the Bible in between the punctuation. If you take it in phrases, small bite-sized pieces that you could digest. And I, the Apostle Paul, it's inspired by God to write this. He said, I, brethren. When the Word of God says brethren, he's talking to real Christians. Sure enough, born again, going to heaven, no doubt Christians. He said, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, 
even as unto babes in Christ. So here in the first century, we find these people in the city of Corinth, and Paul says that they were not spiritual, but they were carnal, but he called them brethren. So let me ask you this, not according to what you think or what you've been taught, but according to this verse, are there carnal Christians? Absolutely. There are, hey, listen, if I tell people, I had one person, we had a church member quit the church, whole family quit the church because they didn't believe that a Christian could truly be carnal. And they believed that only lost people could live fleshly lives and all Christians live perfect lives. I said, do you really believe that? I said, you can look in the mirror and believe that. You don't live a perfect life, so what does that make you? But it's incredible to me the theories that people have about Christianity when the Bible is so specific as to tell us what's really going on. We see here these major classifications of spiritual. He said, I couldn't speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Verse 2 says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Now, the reason there's so much confusion in the body of Christ about whether or not carnal people are truly saved is because a carnal person looks just like a lost person. A carnal person is doing things that only lost people should be doing. But when the Christian does those things that are contrary to their heart, their desire and the true them that they are on the inside, that, that's an aberration. When the lost person does those things, that's just them being them. So the Bible says that these divisions between carnal and spiritual are easy to determine. He says, here's what you look like when you're carnal. You got envy, strife, divisions. That makes you carnal and walk as men. He's saying walk as natural men, not as spiritual men. The Bible uses different words to describe the same concept. Sometimes you'll hear the Bible talk about the flesh or the sin nature or carnal. It all comes from one Greek word, S-A-R-X, sarx, and this is the definition right out of a Greek lexicon. It's the flesh. It literally means the flesh around your bones. It's, it's very natural. It's, it's just you being you. It denotes mere human nature, the earthly nature of a man, apart from the divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. Even as a Christian, you can be controlled by, dominated, and living a life that is prone to sin and opposed to God. But I said a minute ago, that's an aberration. That is contrary to who you want to be, and it causes conviction. Listen, when I was lost, in and out of jail, on drugs and alcohol, I didn't feel bad about getting drunk every day. I did not. I just, hey, that's just what I did. I didn't feel bad about having sex with anybody I could have sex with. I actually felt better about it. It made me feel like I was accomplishing something. But when I became a Christian, I realized that those are not things that God wants me to do. If you can sin and have no conviction, you need Jesus. Y'all not hearing me. If you, if, if you can go out and do things and within that amount of time, you don't realize that was wrong. Anybody ever do stuff they know is wrong? Christians have their hands up. I wonder about the ones that don't. Hallelujah. Some people, I know some of y'all wouldn't raise hands. I tell you, see, I, you shouldn't talk about somebody if you're not part of that group, right? If you don't understand that, talk to a black person. They'll let you know about it. <laughs> Ain't it funny? Is that? But I can talk about Baptists because I was, I was saved at a Baptist church, went to a Baptist Bible college, ended up graduating from a charismatic seminary. But 
Listen, it's okay to raise your hand. If the preacher said, if you're breathing and alive, raise your hand, it's okay to raise your hand. Some people are like, nope, I'm Baptist. I ain't raising my hands in church. So wouldn't raise a, a robber. Could, Stick up your hands or I'm going to shoot. Mm-mm, no, Methodist. We don't do that. We only reason people raise their hands in some denominational churches is when they're doing this, ducking out and leaving. If you are truly saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And there is conviction when you do the wrong thing. When you fall into this human lifestyle, when you go back to the old you and you're, you're not being influenced by the divine, you'll find yourself not only prone to sin but opposed to God. And that's not the life that the true believer wants. So what we need to do this morning is decide, are we carnal or are we spiritual? I can already tell you. Carnal is almost everybody in the room. Carnal, for real Christians, almost every Christian in the room is controlled more by their flesh than they are by the Spirit. You say, oh, not me. I'm saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. You don't want, want to let me sneak around behind you for the next five days? See how fire baptized you really are? We all have issues, am I right? We're all a, a, a human being in our process of becoming the people that God wants us to be. But I told you the Bible makes it very clear what spiritual looks like and what carnal looks like. In Galatians 5, we get a list of things, characteristics of the flesh and characteristics of the spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Did I tell you it makes it clear? It's about to make it clear. Here is what you look like when you are being controlled by your flesh. Here's what a Christian looks like or a lost person because a carnal Christian looks very similar to a lost person because you can't see the conviction on the inside of them. Here's what it looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Go to verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Hold right there with us. Go back. I knew you were going to say. Most of us could say, I don't do idolatry. And I'm not into sorcery. I'm not a hostile person. I don't have outbursts of anger. Well, keep living. Look at verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And here's the catchphrase. I told you, pay attention to the punctuation. The last phrase in this sentence is for deeply religious people. People that have been going to church for too long without changing. People who think they're more delivered than they really are. People who would look down that list and say, oh, no, that's not me, Pastor Scott. I, I don't, no, I'm not sexually immoral. I'm not impure. I don't have lustful pleasures. Sure you don't. I don't do idolatry. Maybe not. I don't do sorcery. I hope you don't. You're, you are hostile and you're quarreling because you're not admitting the truth about yourself. You, you, you can say you don't do all these stuff. Well, I don't get drunk anymore and I don't go to wild parties. So God had to put something in there for church folk because God knows how church folk are. So he put, and other sins like these. Maybe this exhaustive list, now I doubt it, but maybe this exhaustive list didn't touch on your sore spot. Maybe this exhaustive list didn't, didn't quite call out by name your fleshly issue. So God threw a catch-all in there. He said everything else like that. 
That's what carnal looks like. He said, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you should read that and think, well, Pastor Scott, you said carnal people can still go to heaven. But the Bible says that they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you have to read with comprehension. You have to pay attention to what the word is saying. He didn't say anybody who does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That word living in the Greek is a verb in a continual tense. It means you're constantly doing these things without changing. Now, if you are, listen, if every day of the week or every week of the year or even every month of the year, you're out doing, if that's your lifestyle, see, it says living. If that's your lifestyle doing any of those things, the Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, characteristic, qualities, things that people can see. I've told you before, I don't know much about trees. If you ask me what kind of tree that is, I have no clue. If it's not a pine tree or an oak tree, I'm pretty much out of gas, especially if it's a fruit tree and it's not bearing any fruit. If you say, what kind of tree is that? I honestly don't know what the difference between what an apple tree looks like and an orange tree. No idea. You live in Florida, you're supposed to know that. You know that, I know other stuff. But if you said, Pastor Scott, is that an apple tree or an orange tree? If it had oranges hanging from it, number one, I would look at you like you were crazy. But number two, I tell you, it's an orange tree. Fruit is something that's visible on the outside. Fruit declares the root. Fruit just tells you what's happening on the inside of that tree. And this, this, when the scripture says this is the fruit of the spirit, this is what's visible to others on the outside of our life. This is what should be seen in every Christian who is living a spiritual life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Bible says against, there is no law against these things. If you live a life characterized like this, all the other words in Scripture will not be opposed to the lifestyle that you're living. Put 22 back on the screen for me, Deacon Mike. Listen to this type of life. This is the kind of life you ought to want. A life that is filled with love. Where you're a loving person openly. Not a walled off, closed person. Not a person that's unapproachable. Not a person that no one can, can get around. A, a life of joy and peace. God doesn't want your mind to be frazzled all the time. God doesn't want you to have to take something to be able to go to bed and take something to get up. God doesn't want you to be stressed out all the time. The Bible says that what really the kingdom living is about is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God wants to give you patience and kindness. Look at, look at that next word, goodness. A spiritual Christian is someone who's the world would look at and say, it's just a good dude. It's just a good, that's just a good woman right there. Faithfulness. If we stopped being carnal and we started being spiritual, every lost person you know would want your Christ. You wouldn't have to, and I've told you before, nagging your unsaved family members will never win them to Christ. You live a successful Christian life in front of them, they'll want what you have. They'll come to you and say, what is it about you that gives you such peace? What is it about you? But if they're not seeing these things, and listen, for the most part, they're not. For the most part, the world is not seeing these qualities in Christians, and that's why they don't come to church. Most people 
don't come to church because they already went to church and they didn't like what they saw. Most people don't come to church because they know somebody who goes to church and their life is bogus and filled with the flesh so they don't believe it's true. Most people don't come to church. The number one reason that they list on surveys, why don't you go to church? They say because of all the what? All the hypocrites. Well, I don't go to church. There's too many hypocrites there. You go home to your house at night, there's hypocrites there. You go to Winn-Dixie and Publix and Walmart, and there's hypocrites there. You go to your job, and there's hypocrites there. You go to your school, and there's hypocrites there. So don't use that as an excuse why not to come to church. I wouldn't let a hypocrite send me to hell. Amen? This is the life. These are the qualities that a, that a Christian, a spiritual Christian, will have. Now, I don't even think we need to get into these exhaustive lists. I don't think we need to get into a breakdown. You know in your own life, are you spending more time in the spiritual things or more time in the natural things? Do you watch more fleshly television? I don't even know if there is spiritual television. I think there's neutral television. I love the History Channel. I, I love sports. I love the documentaries that are coming on. Those aren't necessarily spiritual, but they're more neutral. Do you spend more time praying or talking on the phone? Do you spend more time in your word or on the Internet? See, this is real easy to figure out. Back in our text in Romans 8, verse 5, the word says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, comma. When you see that comma, that's cause for pause. You need to stop right there and try to digest what was just said. Don't rush read the word of God. This isn't the daily newspaper. This isn't something just to read start to finish so you can say you read it start to finish. You need to try to get what it's saying. And this is how you determine whether or not you're, whether or not you're spiritual or carnal. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, here's what they do. They think about sinful things. If all of the thoughts in your mind from the last week could be put on that wall and that wall, all the spiritual thoughts on that wall and all the carnal thoughts on that wall, which wall do you think had more ink on it? That's not good. We laugh and we smile, but that is not good because I've told you the heart of every sincere child is to make daddy happy every true child wants to please their father every real christian wants their heavenly father to be pleased with them and if you are being dominated by your sinful nature the scripture says you think about sinful things but here's the contrast those who are controlled by the holy spirit think about things that please the spirit that's why we have times of the year when we fast. That's why I'm encouraging you to come out as many nights as you can. I told you when we started, I know most people won't be able to make it 21 days in a row, but come out as often as you can because it'll give you that hour from seven to eight o'clock every night to refocus your mind spiritually. I've told you many times that if you want to be a spiritual person, one of the keys to being a spiritual person is to focus and then refocus. You got to set your mind on the things of God. And then as life happens, you're going to come off that, then you have to refocus. So focus and refocus, focus and refocus. How many times a day? 4,311. It's a good round number. And all the time you have to constantly position your mind to think about things that please the Spirit. I was talking to someone long distance, don't live in this state. I was doing some phone counseling this week. And the person's question was, how can they get their mind to stop thinking about horrible things? And the Bible tells us that it's our job 
to take these thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. If you think about something that you do not believe pleases God, you need to tell your mind, stop thinking about that and think on something else. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that we should think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, praiseworthy things, and trustworthy things. If you find yourself thinking about things that cause you to move away from pleasing the Spirit, you need to refocus your mind. Verse 6 in Romans 8 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Read the Bible with comprehension. It says, so letting your sinful nature control you. You either let it or you what? You don't. You get to decide. We always want God to do everything for us. But the Bible says that you have to exercise self-control. The Bible says that you have to take thoughts and bring them into the obedience of Christ. The Bible says that there are things that we must do, and you must choose whether you let your sinful nature control your mind or, or, or you don't. Now, here's the way the devil wants to pervert things because God's a creator. The devil's an imitator. God wants to set you free. The devil wants to keep you bound. God wants to give you life and peace. The devil wants to give you death and condemnation. So God tells you that you have to put off the old man, put on the new man, choose the right way. God tells you that you have to let your mind be controlled by the Spirit. But the devil or Flip Wilson tells you, who made you do it? The devil made me. See, y'all not old enough to remember Flip Wilson. I'm going to have to upgrade my act. Flip Wilson made a killing on a comedy show telling people the devil made me do it. And convince the whole generation of baby boomers that the devil makes them do stuff. And I'm t I hear it all the time in counseling. Pastor Scott, the devil's just messing with my marriage. You whoremongering doesn't have anything to do with the devil messing with your marriage. The devil didn't tell you to go out and, and get that hotel room at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and put it on your visa so your wife can find it. Does that happen? Yes. The devil's messing with my finances. No, you choose to ignore the bucket every time it comes by you. You know why we have buckets and not plates at Abundant Life? Because we're looking for bigness. We, we, we don't want you to say, well, I was going to give a whole lot, but it wouldn't fit in the plate. So you get a bucket passed your way. We, the, when people say, well, the, the devil's just messing with my mind. The devil ain't messing with your mind. There's one devil he's busy. He's busy messing with real Christians, uh, like the, the, the apostles on the back wall. He's busy messing with Matthew Carvilla, who daily is walking in leper colonies in India. He, he's busy walking with Pastor Prince Kuhn at our daughter church in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa, who's living on poverty and, and, and is leading Muslims to Christ every day. Listen, he ain't, the TV's influencing us more than the devil. Social media is influencing us. more. Stop blaming stuff on the devil because it's not the devil's job to determine what you think about. It's our job to determine what we think about. The Scripture tells us that letting your sinful nature control you, it's not what the devil does to you, it's what you allow to control you. See, people don't like that kind of preaching because America is anti-personal responsibility. Well, it's my wife's fault. It's my, it's my husband's fault. It's my nephew's fault. It's my cousin's sister, nieces on my auntie's brother's twice removed sister's uh, third cousin's side. No, it's you. Do you realize the number one enemy to you being all that God wants you to be is that person that you see in the mirror 
when you look in the mirror. More than anything else, we get in our own way. More than any, see, God wants to bless you. God's a father, though, and fathers have rules. I want to bless my kids. And if they, if they just stay neutral, they don't even have to be doing all the right stuff. If they just stay in, 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 in this groove, they don't have to be here. If they just stay right here, they're going to be blessed. But if they're constantly messing up and opposing me, those blessings won't flow. Christians sitting in churches wondering, when is my ship going to come in? When is God going to come through for me? Why do I hear all these other testimonies about people getting X, Y, and Z, and I'm still sitting over here and can't, can't get ahead in life? Well, you need to start controlling what you think about. You need to put yourself in a position of blessability. Some people are blessable and some people are not blessable by a father who demands justice. You got to let, if you let your sinful nature control your thoughts and your mind, that's going to lead to death. Death is not good. Scripture says, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's where God wants us to live. So if your thoughts are worldly, you're living, even though you're alive, you're living a death. You are just existing. There's a difference between living and existing. And the sad reality is most people are existing. Very few people are living on a spiritual realm. Very few people are living the life that God created them to live. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Very few Christians are living on that spiritual realm where they are just in that flow where they know that he's with me. That, that's the type of people that when they sing that song, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. That, that's the kind of Christian that really feels that, not just says the words when they sing it. Listen to what verse 7 in Romans 8 says from our text. I'm going to read it to you in the New American Standard. It says, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. When you set your mind on things that are fleshly, no matter how much deep down on the inside of you you want to please God, you will not find that way. The Bible says that it's not even able to please God because the mind is set on the flesh. I want you to get this if you don't get anything else. It's your job to determine what you set your mind on. It's your job. It's your responsibility. You have to take ownership of what you set your mind on. And if you fill your mind with the flesh six days a week and you come to church on Sunday, don't expect the worship to be dynamic. See, I, I preached in churches all around the world, and I've been in some churches that had incredible music, incredible talent, worship, lights, camera, action, fog machines, laser lights, smart lights. I've seen horrible worship. My kids and I, we sing a song in the car. We, we were in a mountain. We were up in Georgia mountains one time, Tennessee somewhere, high up in a mountain, and there was only one church off the main road an hour to get to the top of this mountain where our cabin was. And we saw a church that was halfway there. So we thought, well, that's where we're going to church. We're not coming all the way off this mountain. We went in there, and my family doubled the attendance on Sunday morning. <laughs> the preacher preached right at us the whole time. Because I'm saying, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm lifting my hands and writing big checks. And, and he was so excited. Um, but it was, they didn't really have what I call praise and worship. And that's okay. They had a, a, a piano. And people singing. Now this, mm, y'all know me. 
I don't like Southern gospel music. I'd rather be beating the face with a dead rat than listen to Southern gospel music. If that's your thing, that's your thing. We got to love each other in spite of each other. But I don't even know if a Southern gospel lover would would have got a whole lot of pleasure. This lady came up, and bless her heart, she was about 187 years old. And she sang the solo. And I, I swear to you, I don't do many great imitations, but this is exactly what she sounded like. It's been a long road, and life's been hard. I walked a many mile, and now I'm tarred. Hard, tired. I guess you got to make it do what it got to do. But here's what I set my mind. They're singing music that did not appeal to me. But what I do when I'm in a church somewhere where I don't know the songs or I don't particularly enjoy it, it doesn't scratch my itch. It's not really my flavor. I set my mind to worship God anyhow. If you have to be sung happy, then you are carnal. If you have to have your favorite song playing for you to lift your hands and sing when the Bible commanded you to lift your hands in the sanctuary and sing songs of praise to God, then you are not spiritual. You are carnal. Well, it's good news for carnal people. You get to choose whether you're carnal or spiritual. How often do you make that choice? Once in your life? No. Once a month? No. Once a week? No. Once a day? No. What did I say? 1,311 times a day. Keep a chart on it. If you get to 1,312, you've gone too far. You get to choose what you set your mind on. You get to choose whether or not you are carnal or spiritual. Too many people let other people dictate their level of godliness to them. People come into church and they want to be made happy. Listen, I've been in some great preacher services. I didn't say church services. I said preacher services. There are tremendous orators in the world today proclaiming the good news of Christ. There are, we have the best preachers in the world alive on the planet today when it comes to oratory ability. But if people walk out of a church service and everybody's saying, man, pastor was preaching today. He was just, oh, my God, the service was awesome. Pastor was on it. And somebody says, what was he preaching about? I don't know, but he was preaching. That appealed to their flesh. That didn't change anything. It just tickled them. And we got to make a choice whether or not we want to set our mind on fleshly things or set our mind on spiritual things. If, if Elder Robin has to sing you happy, you didn't bring your praise and worship with you. If I have to preach you happy, then you're in the wrong place. You need to get your happiness from God. You need to get your peace of mind from God. You need, listen, if you read more Bible in church than you do out of church, you are spiritually sick. Because the scripture says of itself, this is our food to strengthen us on the inside. You got to decide what you want to be. Now, this should be a question that's easy for every Christian to answer. When you get your mind right, when you refocus on God and you're thinking spiritual, how long does it take to yank you out of that? A long time or a short time? Most people, no matter what decision they make in this room today or in any church they're in today, will have an opportunity to let every piece of goodness flush off them the second they pull out of the parking lot. As soon as that person cuts you off on 103rd Street, 
soon as that waitress messes up your order at lunch, soon as somebody in the back seat of your car just gets on this nerve right here, all that can flush off you. That's why I say you got to focus and you got to refocus. You got to choose to live spiritual. That's why Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. You choose whether or not you're dominated by your mind or the mind of Christ. If you ever find yourself saying, Pastor, I, I almost gave them a piece of my mind. The world doesn't need a piece of your mind. The world needs to see the mind of Christ active in you. The world doesn't need you to tell somebody what you think. The world needs you to tell somebody what God thinks. And this is the choice that real Christians make every day. Thousands of times, hundreds of times, many times, every day. Day. Verse 8 in our text says, that is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. See, this is why some people, even truly saved people, this is why some people can never last in church more than a little bit. You see people get in church and drift out, get in church and drift out, get right with God and go back, get right with God and go back. Why? Because they don't take account, they don't take control, they don't take responsibility of what they set their mind on. And people who set their mind on fleshly things can't please God, no matter how much you want to. You will find yourself, even where Paul found himself in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them all the time. Have you ever felt that way? If you've never felt that way, you don't yet understand Christianity. He had to cry out in such despair in the chapter before the our our. Romans 8 text, in the end of chapter 7, he had to cry out to God, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If you ever get serious about getting healthy spiritually, you're going to feel that from time to time. You're going to wonder, why do I keep messing up when I really want to serve God? The reason why is because you let your thoughts go to the world. You, 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 you set your mind on natural things more than you set your mind on spiritual things. And no matter how much you truly love God, if you are being controlled by your sin nature, you're not going to please Him. Because that sin nature does not give control over to the things of God. Listen to verse 9. We're done. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, period. Pay attention to the punctuation. Let's take these phrases in bite-sized pieces. But you, he said, brethren, at the beginning of this passage, so who's he talking to? But you, Christian, real Christian, God calls you a Christian, you're a Christian. But you, Christian, are not controlled by your sinful nature. So lots of things in the Bible that I read that make me scratch my head and say, hmm. I believe every word in the Bible is true, but I know it's not always true in me. Do you understand me? I believe that every word of God is perfect, but it's not always perfected in me. The scripture says that when you become a Christian, old things pass away and all things become new. Well, I know that's the truth. It's just not always the truth in me. You say, oh, well, I'm going to have to find another church because I'm going to have to find a church where the pastor is perfect and he's fully delivered. Good luck. It doesn't exist. This is when God says old things are passed away and all things become new, that's his, that's his plan. That's his decree. That's, that's what he wants to see happen. That's what should be in the life of a Christian. It's just like a parent 
should tell the child, you need to be on outer roll. That should be the expectation. You need to make all A's. That should be the expectation, but it doesn't always work out that way for everybody. When God said you're not controlled by your sinful nature, period, he's saying what should be happening in the life of a believer. All the words of God are true. They're just not always true in us. He said you are controlled by the Spirit, but then he gets more detailed. He says if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, every Christian has the Holy Ghost. If you meet a Christian and they ask you, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Quoting an obscure passage out of the book of Acts, which is a transition book between the cross and Pentecost. If you have a Christian that says, I got saved in 1995 and I got the Holy Ghost in 2003, you know they don't understand the Bible. Because the Bible says you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then parenthetically, God says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. There is no classification of saved that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. You hear somebody say they got saved in 2005 and got the Holy Ghost in 2006, you know they just don't understand sound theology. Because the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you, you don't belong to Him at all. The Bible teaches that when you get saved, God gives you the down payment of your inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit living inside you. You get your portion of the Holy Spirit to live inside you, to compel you, to constrain you, to draw you, to shape you, to encourage you unto righteousness, to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And if you yield to that Spirit of God living inside you, if you feed that Spirit of God living inside you, then you will not be controlled by your sin nature. This is God's plan for your life. This is what God desires to see in you. I'm going to get done and let you out of here early today. Here, here, here's what I want you to know before you leave. Is it possible for you to be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? Do it like this. No. Is it possible for you to be saved and not allow the Holy Ghost to shine through you? Do it like this. Is it possible for you to be saved without God? Do it like this. Is it possible for you to be saved but not living the spiritual life that God created you to live. Do like this. This is the word of the Lord. So what we learned today, number one, it's possible for real Christians to be spiritual or carnal. There's your choice, believer. You got to choose if you want to be spiritual. That means controlled by the spirit. Or if you want to be carnal, that means controlled by the flesh. And it's what you choose to think about. It's what you fill your mind with. Whichever one of those natures, because you have an old nature and a new nature, that same group of uh, denomination that believes that you can't be saved in carnal, they believe that when you get saved, you don't have an old nature anymore. I don't know who they're looking at in the mirror. I can tell you for sure that old nature is still there. The Bible says we have the treasure of God's Spirit inside this earthen vessel. And as long as we're still surrounded in this flesh, we're going to struggle with the flesh. It is possible for real Christians to be spiritual. Or carnal. You got to choose to feed your spirit man more than you feed your natural man. You got to choose to pray more, to read more Bible, 
to praise and worship God more. You've got to choose to get involved and let your life be wrapped up in servitude to a holy God. Real Christianity is not what's being broadcast in megachurches in America. And megachurches only exist in large part in America because America is a nation built on greed and independence. They're not preaching this. They're not preaching that, that you have to take personal responsibility to become the spiritual believer that God wants you. All they're preaching is health, wealth, prosperity. Uh, they, just, they just want you to give a dollar for a holler. They just want you to sow a seed, so God's going to send you a million dollars. Listen, if you're watching a TV show, a 30-minute television show claiming to be a Christian television show, if they spend 29 out of 30 minutes begging for money so they can stay on the air to beg for more money, turn that off and open your Bible. If you're watching a TV show or listening to a preacher that tells you send $19 today and God's going to send you $91 tomorrow, that's not Christianity. That's witchcraft. That's manipulation of your mind trying to get in your pocket. The Bible teaches that you have a responsibility to choose to feed your spiritual man or to feed your carnal man. The sad reality is the average Christian thinks more about God in church than they do outside of church. And they only go to church an hour a week or a couple hours a week at the most. Second thing we learned is we have to choose the life we want. You can be spiritual, you can be carnal, but you have to choose. The choice is already on the inside of you if you're saved. If you're truly born again, the choice is already made for you. Because the Spirit of God on the inside of you is drawing you, compelling you, Serve God. Be the man God wants you to be. Be the woman God wants you to be. Be the young person God wants you to be. It's a better life. But you have to choose it. Stop sitting back waiting on God to do something great for you. Stop sitting back wondering when God is going to come through for you. God already came through for us on the cross. God already did enough for us on Calvary. If he never did another thing, we're always in debt to him, not him to us. Too many people are sitting around in depression thinking that God owes them more than what they've received. God has been better to us than we've been to him. God is a good God, a gracious, merciful, loving, kind, benevolent God. And you should choose the type of life that serves him. That means you've got to set your mind on the spirituals. That means you have to take responsibility for your thoughts, your actions, your words, and your deeds. You have to schedule your day to put God in there. That's why I talked to you about a quiet time. That's why I talked to you about setting an appointment with God. Because if you just slide God in where he can fit in, if you're just going to say, well, he got to get in where he fit in, listen, he ain't going to get in at all. You have to make an, a determined appointment with God to say, I will not go to bed without reading my word. I will not go to bed without acknowledging God. You need to make a declaration in your mind that says, I will not let my feet touch the floor in the morning without acknowledging the presence of God in my life. It's only by God that you woke up today. And if you lay down tonight, it'll be only by God that you made it to tonight. Third thing we saw is that all saved people have the Holy Ghost. But listen, we have to yield our lives to his guidance if we want to walk in blessing. It is sad to me to see so many truly born-again Christians not being blessed by God. 
not being blessed spiritually, not being blessed financially, not being blessed in their mind. Saved but struggling. Why? Listen, if all them Trump kids, they ain't struggling for money. You think they're worrying about how they're going to pay for their next new car? Daddy's going to write a check. That's how they're going to pay for it. Or they'll write their own check off daddy's money. If you know that you got a hookup, if you know that your father is the wealthiest individual on the entire planet, you wouldn't be worrying about stuff. You know, my dad's got this. My dad's got this. You need to walk in blessing, but you can only walk in blessing if you yield your life to God's guidance. Because here's the reality. When God says, come this way, if you don't come this way, he's still going this way. And you're getting further and further away from him. The word repentance in the Greek means a change of mind that results in a change of direction. See, when we're walking with God toward God, and then we backslide, and we start walking back toward our sinful nature, and we start walking back toward our flesh, and then we get confronted with conviction. And we realize those things that we're doing are not God's best plan for our life. We have to decide, I know that, and I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to walk back toward God. Every Christian in this room has backslidden. Every Christian in this room has at some point walked away from things that God wanted them to do. Every real Christian knows about backsliding. But what we need to learn about is front sliding. We've all done enough backsliding. In 2017, I want you to front slide. I want you to slide back toward the things of God. I want you to choose to yield your life to God's guidance so that you can walk in blessing. It's about a choice. It's about a choice of what you set your mind on. The Bible says if you think about the things, if your thoughts are dominated with the spiritual, you'll be spiritual. If your thoughts are dominated with the natural, you'll be natural. It's my two-dog story. i tell it to you and we'll go. Man moved into a new house. He saw next door two giant Rottweilers chained up, mean, angry, vicious-looking dogs, a black one and a brown one. He saw the old man in the yard, so he walked over to introduce himself to the old man, and the old man says, whatever you do, don't ever come over this side of the fence because those dogs will tear you up. They are mean, they are angry, and they are vicious. Don't come in my yard without me here or those dogs will get you. And the new neighbor said, well, which one is stronger? He said, they're both strong. He said, well, which one is more dominant? They're both dominant. Well, which one is the leader? They both lead. He said, well, if it came down to it and the black one fought the brown one, which one would win the fight? And the old man scratched his head and he said, I imagine whichever one I've been feeding the most that week. And that's how your life is, Christian. Your sin nature and your spiritual nature are, are, are strong and powerful. And they want to lead you. And they want to dominate you and, 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 and move you in their direction. The flesh wants to pull you toward the flesh. The spirit wants to pull you toward the spirit. Which one's going to dominate? Whichever one you feed the most. If you're flooding your mind with worldly things, you can expect to live a worldly life. But if you'll flood your mind with spiritual things, you can expect to live a spiritual life. 
Proverbs 28, 20 says, faithful person abounds in blessings. That's what I want to see happen in your life. I want to see you abound in blessings. If you're not abounding in blessings, if you can't list five good things right now that God is doing for you, it's not God's fault. You just need to admit I'm not being faithful. Because the Bible says if you'll be faithful, you will abound in blessings. God's word is always true. And the scriptures work if you work the scripture. I'm not going to have an emotional altar call. Right now I could say every real Christian that wants to choose spirituality over carnality, I want you to stand on your feet and come. Some people would come. If we could hold hands and pray together. But it's not the choice that you make here today that will determine how the rest of your life goes. It's the choice you make day by day, moment by moment. It's not a one-time thing. It's not an emotional come down here and pray and choose spirituality. It's a day-by-day deal. It's a lifestyle. It's an everyday commitment. You have to choose every day to be who God wants you to be. And when you mess up, don't condemn yourself. I could have started in verse 1 in Romans 8 instead of starting our text in verse 5. Verse 1 says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Condemnation doesn't come from God. There's no condemnation when you mess up. There's encouragement to do better. We fall down, we get up. And we move closer to God. And we fall down again and we get back up. And we move closer to God. That's why the scripture says a righteous person falls six, even seven times. But an unrighteous person, one fall is enough to wipe them out. I won't let one fall wipe me out. I won't let my flesh knock me off of my desire to be the man God wants me to be. When I yield to my flesh and I do wrong, I repent and I ask God to help me do better. And that's what I want you to do. Don't, don't, don't accept condemnation from the devil that says, see, you're no good. See, you'll never be who God wants you to be. Those are lies that the enemy is telling you to try to stop you from advancing in your destiny. You tell your mind and anybody listening, People want to criticize you and look at you. How can she be a Christian and do that? You tell them I did it, but I love God anyhow. And I'm going to be better. And I'm going to do better. And I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Because God wants to bless his children. We just got to get blessable. I'm not going to have a big emotional invitation and say, if you're lost and you want to be saved, come down this aisle, pray with me. You don't need to do that. If you're lost and you're, if you're not right with God, if you don't know God in a personal, intimate way, all you have to do is pray and ask him to save you. If you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you can be saved. See, everybody believes in Jesus. Everybody just doesn't believe that he rose from the dead and that he's alive today and hears us when we talk to him. If you have enough faith to believe that he is alive today and can hear you when you talk to him, you have enough faith to be saved. You just got to ask God to save you. So let's all leave out of here today determined to be spiritual. Let's all leave here today determined to be the men, women, and young people that God created us to be. It's God's world. He gets to make the rules. It's God's world. He gets to be in charge. Let's stop filling our mind with the world. It's okay to like sports. It's okay to like shopping. It's okay to, to, to like video games. But don't let these things dominate your life. Let spirituality dominate your life so you can walk on a higher plane. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us 
to focus more on spiritual things than on fleshly things. Help us, God, to fill our minds with your word, to think on things that honor you, to think on things that give you praise. Help us, God, to choose better. Help us to put you first in every area of our life. God, I pray for every real Christian in the room today that we would transition in 2017 to where we would be more spiritual than carnal. God, I pray for every person in the room who's not yet saved that you would encourage them with your love and your grace and your goodness and draw them as only you can. Thank you, God, for life. Thank you for this choice that you've given us to choose who we will serve. We choose you because we know you are God and there is none like you. So we choose you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.